So on this episode of On Wednesdays We Wear Black, we have got April Kay, who is famous on the internet, beautiful, part of Fever 333, a model, all, th- all sorts of things. There's nothing she can't do. Like, honestly, there's literally nothing she can't do. I I follow April on everything, and I'm so amazed by them. It just, like, that's what I think I look like in my mentally ill brain. Yeah, sure. Sure. Hello and welcome to On Wednesdays We Wear Black with me, Sophie Kay and Yasmin Suma. And our very special guest, hello. I know, but right, our special guest needs their own introduction, Yasmin. Okay, okay, Sophie, go ahead. Today on On Wednesdays We Wear Black, we have a very special guest, April Kay from Fever 333. <laughs> Shout out. Shout out. Hey, y'all. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you so much for having me on your amazing podcast. I feel like y'all are an important part of history and I'm honored that you invited to me to be part of that history with you. Oh, thank you. We love I, you. Can you imagine, Yasmin, if like they start teaching about our podcast in history? Can oh, you imagine God. the terrors that we would teach? <laughs> the terrors that we would bring to these poor children. Good God. So this episode, I'm thinking... Of the title will be Who is April? Because I feel like we have seen you everywhere, but we haven't really got to properly know you. Mm. And you seem like someone who is fascinating. And I think I'd probably be, I think I was too scared to speak to you at the festival because I was like, oh my gosh, she's so cool. But I think you're somebody that a lot of people want to know about. So, okay, so let's just start with, okay, a lot of people in the rock scene know you from Fever 333. How did that come about? Sure. So I was actually having a conversation with a friend the other day about uh, music that I know authentically. And they were like, I asked, like, what what kind of music would you say I authentically know? And the person said, uh, rock music, especially like pre-2010 and uh, soul and funk and, you know, Motown, 60s and 70s. And uh, it it was so interesting thinking about that because it was completely out of context, but I think it's those two uh, passion areas that really brought me with Jason and with Fever 333. Um, I have been playing bass basically my whole life, like since I was 12, 13, 14, I grew up in a musical family. My parents met in a band. And so it was always inevitable that I would play and I can definitely dig more into my bass playing origins, but uh, it's always been a huge part of my life. And I've had a lot of other jobs. I went to college and all that. And then um, around the pandemic, I started posting bass playing videos um, to social Wait, media. Are you telling me you only started doing social media during lockdown? Oh well, my God. Bass, yeah, so that's the interesting thing is I actually got on social media um, like many years before that, probably. I've been making, you know, I've been making money off social media for like eight years, but I only mm. started playing bass on social. I've been playing bass my whole life, but I only brought them together um, during the pandemic. And it was because it was a special time. I'd actually posted music before to social media. I've been in bands and all that the whole time. But I think it was a really special time when people were really leaning into guitar and bass and guitar talk was really popping off and people were discovering new musicians and new music through social media a lot at that time and everyone was at home. 
So it was a really special moment. I feel really fortunate that I um, had the space and energy to bring base to social media when I did, because I think it's very different now than it was then, even though it was so recently. Um, and yeah, mm. it's been really quick mm -hmm. since then. Um, it went from, you know, being an indie player, playing local shows, one-off small regional tours to um, getting calls from artists from all around the world. And ultimately, uh, Jason reached out to me about a year ago now. Um, so he found you on social media? Uh, I think he, social media, people talking, you know, just yeah, the grapevine, the overall grapevine. Um, but he reached out to me directly and was like, looking for a live band, want to jam, we jammed and uh, we we really hit it off right away. The jam part was great, but actually it was like after um, I got into talking about uh, like gender and my experience being relatively new in the music scene, because like I said, I'd been in this indie world and then because of social media, I got brought into like the music scene. And man, like <laughs> is, stuff, is stuff bad for, for people who aren't, um, uh cishet white guys in that scene it's like it's like literally shocking it was shocking i used to work i worked in finance before i worked in the modeling industry um i've 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 done a lot of different things and i have not seen such stark embedded institutionalized um exclusion that, as is that with the rock industry or the music industry as the whole i would say uh both i'd say the music industry as a whole and then i'd say rock within that is is no different than any other genre yeah it's a shame it's a shame because I always say it didn't used to be like this it didn't used to be so um it was always tribal but once you were in the tribe it was fine and now it, it definitely has got worse mm. it's interesting it's interesting because you've got like let's just flex a little bit here like when you say social media mm. you have got over half a million aren't you like 650,000 or something <laughs> Yeah, I got I, I I beat a million between Instagram and TikTok, which I'm very excited about. So Amazing. hypothetically, if the algorithm God smiled on me, it'd be a million people, which is it's just cool. It's it especially as you talk about this podcast being about the like weirdos within the weirdos, the outcasts within the outcasts. I think um building a community of people who are interested in doing things differently, who are interested in seeing different types of faces um on bass and guitar and on rock instruments are the type of people who are uh hanging out and I I really think it's of course it's my own social media it's about me to that extent but really folks who are there I like to think that we're there for the bigger purpose and for the bigger uh mission of just expanding the idea of what um certain types of musicians can look like and I think expanding the idea of what's possible in general it's interesting as well because you're right and like <clears throat> following you on social media is so inspirational even down to the fact your hair is just phenomenal like Literally. I dream I dream of that do you know that's why I had to chop my hair off Yasmin yeah because there was just no point living in a world where I don't have April's hair but anyway um <laughs> that's on a creepier than it was supposed that to that sounds creepy it sounds like you're gonna but cut off her hair yeah I heard yeah. it I heard it as I said it I know um <laughs> one of the things that like Looking at you on social, you have such a great image that appeals to so many different people. And I think a lot of the time for femme presenting POCs, mm -hmm. it can be really hard for people to accept that you might like rock. 
especially the less you kind of uh what's the word adhere to the rules that it takes mm-hmm. to be a, a rock fan and you mm-hmm. must your hair must be like this and you must dress in this type of sexual way and you cannot wear color and blah blah blah, blah, blah. um did you find that when you because somebody i remember you said you were pre-2010s rock is your era have you found that through your life oh yeah definitely it's uh it's so interesting Sophie what you said about the rules it's like if you follow the rules of being a rock girly you will still get hate but maybe like less (laughs) I don't know like there's really no winning honestly it's just exclusion right like the fact that um me like dressing how I want to dress where at the same time there are like men who are shirtless and then I'm the one whose sexuality is focused on when I'm just like wearing what feels cute you know what I mean like that vibe have you found that have you found that oh my it's it's brutal and I would say it's the worst in metal specifically I think that there is something about metal that is really attractive to outcasts right but especially I don't I don't think we need to go too deep into this but I think especially um young men who feel like they haven't gotten their fair their fair share in society and then I've had experiences where these young men will just dogpile and will find anything that they can wrong with my posts I'm too good looking I'm not good looking enough it's too perfect so it can't be real there's too many mistakes I need to tune but it's is she actually playing or is she faking it it's it's wild contradictions and it's really it and when you go to their pages it's really a lot of angry young men and honestly I'm like sad to see that you know and because at the same time though I hope that like by putting out positivity you know there used to be a time where like my response to it would be so internally negative I don't really like to get in fights online but there you know I, I would fire back a little minimally but like you know minimally and and I realized like I just want to put out positivity and I just want to like be myself because I'm not like an angry argumentative negative person like that's not my personality that's not my vibe that's never who I am like online or off so like let me just be me and be happy right and break the rules and like wear glitter and have an afro and like play alternative songs while wearing pink and and expand that narrative right like that's my job my job is to expand my narrative my my narrative really really my job is just to expand my narrative and then if I'm gonna be like bigger than that ideally somebody else's narrative and my job is definitely not to like worry about these um children whose parents should be supervising them better on tiktok a lot of times it's only children you know and that's yes brutal especially online um and i'll say something else too that's really interesting uh is uh, dealing with this online but also in person it's fascinating to see what it's like um at at fever shows and y'all have been to a couple um but especially my presence as a woman and how jason makes a point to speak to gender on stage like a lot of shows we get booze when he's talking about like it's important to respect women in these spaces it's important to be inclusive like we get booze if you listen there are booze and i I think i get booze yeah, we oh, get like negative, fuck. like people are, yeah, people are not about it. And at the same time, like people are about it. And like I, it, uh, throughout our Europe tour, we did this summer, which was my first tour with them. Um, there would be like a bigger and bigger section of like femme, women, queer people on like my side of the stage and like that. grow and grow and grow and grow and grow. And, and so looking out and kind of seeing that, like, that's real, you know, there is going to be some like 
disgruntled person booing, right? If you do anything big, it's going to hit a nerve somewhere. And at the same time, like we're building this big community in the face of that. And we're showing this person like, hey, actually, like who's having more fun right now? Like, let's be honest, like. <laughs> you actually, you went viral as well with a video that I think Yasmin shot. Oh my God, yeah. That was so random. I Sarah, it was Download Festival this year, oh, maybe? That was Yarmul, that's sick. That was me. <laughs> Gosh, um, yeah, wow. so you saw Sarah, one of my really good friends. Yeah who's a photographer in the pit. And I think she was the only black woman in the pit at that time. Um, mm -hmm. And I've loved her. I love her. She's just been repping the scene for years. Um, and I loved that moment you two had where like you almost broke down because you were like, holy shit, like there's women like me in this industry. And mm -hmm. it was such a wholesome moment. Yeah. yeah. That Do you, you remember that, I assume? Oh yeah, no, that was huge. I literally had not seen a black woman for like, or a black femme presenting person, I think she, they pronouns, um, in like a while. Um, and I was just like shocked by the impact of representation because I talk about it all the time. Um, and at the same time, like I have a sister who's the same as me, like with the same parents. And so like, I always have her that's similar to me. And uh, I, when I'm in New York, I live in Harlem, LA is super diverse. So I, um, don't often have to face what it's like to not be represented. I, I did a lot as a kid, you know, in the nineties growing up in Texas and all that, but now it's, it's not as present for me. And that really um, brought it back. And it wasn't like meta, like I was there, like I was feeling deprived of seeing myself represented. I was feeling scared. I was feeling vulnerable. I was feeling like, what am I even doing here? Um, it's a weird thing, not like seeing anyone in person that looks like you for a while. It, it messes with your brain. Like it's not, it like does something weird to your brain. I swear. Like I never had that experience. And so seeing, um, Sarah was just, it was really cathartic. It was such a moment of unity. And I'm so grateful that they, uh, reciprocated and were down and like, were down to like have that moment and give me that gift of like feeling connected to someone who looked like me. That's so beautiful. And for anyone listening, you know, because there's, there's always doubters, right, who don't fully understand. But it's a real thing. For example, because I have worked in metal for so long, full time, and by coincidence for the daytime job I was working, I had to live in an area that was predominantly uh, Caucasian. Yeah. And this is no hate to anybody because, you know, it is what it is. I didn't realize until I moved to the area I'm in now, which is a very black area of London. I didn't realize how much I'd started to hate my own body wow. because I hadn't seen people with thick thighs and <laughs> curves. And I just hadn't. And the curves, when people had curves, they were very different to what mine are. Mine are like very African. It's all, it's all downstairs. And it's like, <laughs> seeing myself represented has helped me fall in love with myself again and accept myself and like I'm a grown ass woman mm -hmm. and if this is a real thing like this isn't just when they talk about representation it's often for kids but it's also for, for adults as well it's important 100% so growing up did you did you I assume grew up in a predominantly white area from what you just said uh <clears throat> sort of I grew up in Austin Texas so it was uh, a really special time because it was kind of before it was as big and it was as uh, diverse as it is now in terms of people from all over the United States 
um, moving to Austin. It's like the place to be. It's not, it was not when I was growing up as much. And so it was actually a lot of Mexican people and a lot of white people. And right. so that was the culture that I grew up around the most. Um, and that was in Texas. And then I also spent a lot of time in Arkansas, which is where my mom's family is, who is black. And so growing up in that environment, I had a really deep appreciation for culture in general, um, especially Mexican culture, I felt really included in because that's who my friends were. And that's like, um, a lot of the activism that I got involved in early on was around immigration, especially in Texas, that's still an incredibly important issue. And so, um, and my mom was always big about especially being half Jewish and half black, like celebrating our culture within our household. So I always knew that it was important to me, but just like you described, Sophie, uh, especially talking about your body and your shape and your lower body and your, for me, like my thighs and my butt. And this was again, pre-Kim K very much so, right? Yeah. Um, I hate it. I hated myself. Like I had body dysmorphia fully. Um, it's amazing now to look in the mirror and be like, this is the same body I was looking at when I was a kid. And I just saw like an ugly um, quote unquote fat blob and that was the worst thing I could possibly be right now I see like beautiful fat blobs and I love them and like and, and I appreciate that because um, there is much more of it on the in the media I get to see people like both of you expressing yourselves openly online and and through your platforms and that makes such a big difference and actually to bring in a little bit the 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 reason I'm here Fender like connecting us um to do this interview, I'm so grateful for them. And uh, being part of the Vintera 2 launch with them, one of the things I really appreciated is they brought in creators from a bunch of different um, spaces and different types of musicians, um, both in style and look. And the line is all about like, um, instruments in the 50s 60s and 70s is kind of like retro feel kind of throughout but then bringing it to now and so it's really about like celebrating difference and celebrating self-expression and so um that is something that was like always really important to me but 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 it was a struggle like I never I never lost sight of that I never was kind of separate from that but I didn't always like myself I saw I used I think I used to feel much more like a martyr which sucks like I used to think that I was like the sacrificial lamb Ugh. and I think that was really how I felt before I saw Sarah this summer I was like well I guess I gotta be the one there's gotta be someone that's what it is right the sacrificial lamb. And I don't know if either of y'all have ever felt like that, but it's gotta be someone, I guess I gotta be the one out here. One of the festivals, I won't name it, but, uh, eh, but it was in a very historically problematic country to say the least. They had the fucking woman's bathroom in the middle of a parking lot. And it was just like, a, it was just like a, a like a, a metal trailer and then an unlocked door with like a sheet you know in the middle of a parking lot and so I was expected to go off stage in front of 50,000 people walk through wow. the parking lot into wow. the trailer with nothing and I'm not even saying like any anything bad's gonna happen safety I'm saying like I'm not trying to have anyone no one needs to see anybody in that situation right like nobody yeah. needs to no one needs to walk in no one needs to be walked we're at work this is the workplace we need to be treated professionally, not asked to shout in the middle of the parking lot. Like what? And so in those moments, I asked myself, like, am I, you know, am I the sacrificial lamb? But with moments like Sarah and like being part of this vendor campaign and being on this podcast right now, like, no, we actually can be ourselves, right? Like we shouldn't have to yeah. worry about yeah. being the sacrificial lamb. We shouldn't worry about holding uh, all of this weight, right? We should be able to just do whatever we want. 
but unfortunately we have to to an extent we have to in certain spaces and, and it's important that we own that and at the same time we should understand and remember that um we deserve spaces where we don't have to feel that way that's so true i can see why you get on so well with jason yeah <laughs> i can see it. Yeah. i can see it now i can see because jason and i first met probably about 2012 it was like just after the black is beautiful and i remember we just like you know when you start talking about race a little bit and you just drop a little bit to see how the other person's going to react and you just drop a bit and then like, he would drop a bit and then it's just like doosh. He goes straight to the like anthropology 304 class. He's taking you straight <laughs> to the like, yeah. like deep theory on the shits. But like in his cadence and he gets talking. Like, oh, duh, 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 duh. It's great. Yes. I, I love talking to him. It's absolutely phenomenal. It's, it's inspiring. And it's interesting, you know, you talk about being at festivals because I think a lot of the people who listen to this podcast, even if you are a cis white man listening mm-hmm. to this podcast at the moment, I bet you've been in situations where you felt like the only one and you felt like different. And I think that is something that everybody who listens to this podcast can identify with. And we're talking Mm. about it because we wear it on our skin. But I think a lot of people feel that. And that's why I don't understand why there isn't more empathy in metal, because I think that's why we got into metal in the first place. And this feeling of invasion. I mean, I don't understand a world in which straight men don't want beautiful women at the gigs or knowledgeable women knowledgeable women at the gigs to talk to music about and oh my gosh all of a sudden you have a chat up line because you can talk to her about her t-shirt like we've just made it easy for you and you're still complaining like sort it out honestly honestly (laughs) the struggle's real although that being said I never got I never got chat I was often not even the only brown person the only woman at a gig for so long in like the the, the early was, no one trying to talk to you no, no one trying to holler never I've ne- I never got chatted up at a gig ever what do you think that's about I mean either I'm desperately ugly no or <laughs> or I don't I, I think people sometimes when you are when you're a black woman I think people assume that you're going to come with this sass and this like they don't assume well there is a little bit of that no but <laughs> They don't expect you to be as nerdy or as like vulnerable or all of those things. I think there's a kind of, uh, I don't know, a preconception in that area. But how did you find it when you were young growing up listening to like pre-2010s music? How did you find it? Okay, so listen, I'm going to be so, so real with you right now. Okay. This feels very vulnerable. This is like borderline embarrassing, but I'm just going to say it. So on this tour, the summer with fever until now, like, my heart skips a beat for all the fuckers who told me I wasn't punk enough, that I couldn't be black and be goth, who told me that, like, oh, I look like I play soul. Oh, you look like a singer. Did you ever get called a coconut? Did they open for Metallica? Yeah. Did they go hang out with Sun 41 and watch Tenacious D side stage? I don't think so. I think they're still in my hometown fucking rotting like I like and and I've never said that publicly and but I think I need to and this feels like a safe space like like all you fucking assholes in Austin who told me I couldn't be punk and like music I like in black fuck you Tell <laughs> Tell like, I- and that but, but that's like I think that's that's something I, so I dealt with it constantly it was like I was gaslit into saying that I didn't like what I liked. And um, and 
it, I, I, this isn't escaping my head. It only made me stronger mm. and like, not to, not to like bring it back to Fender again, but I'm going to do it. Like fucking Jimi Hendrix, man. Like he was playing his fucking white Stratocaster and he was fucking rocking that shit with his Afro, his gender fucking non-conforming ass, fucking sexy as hell singing, talking about his own experience, talking about all of these things. He had a, um, he he pushed the boundaries with the with the visual art he and in all these ways so don't tell me that i can't be punk you know what i mean meanwhile like trans black women are like the most punk rock possible because they're like expressing themselves fully while like being persecuted by the fucking government if that's not punk yeah. i don't know what fuck is so that's all to say like it was it was overt i mean especially being black being jewish and being good i dealt with it all the time i think one of the harder things was i was in school jazz band and i play bass guitar i have a lot of jazz background um because i like bass that's <laughs> how so i play jazz pretty much and the drummers um they wouldn't talk to me and it happened to several i was in a couple of different jazz and they just did not they didn't talk to me like i'd say hi they would just ignore me and, and cold shoulder me and i think sophie that is maybe some of what you experienced you know not getting chatted up at the clubs like i, I think it was coming from a same same place of just like kind of freezing and then otherizing like they don't know how to interact maybe they don't have experience interacting with other people or seeing us as people and so they literally cannot um but then all of a sudden you know once I get the award at the end of the semester for whatever uh, being good at base then all of a sudden you know they'll talk to me and they'll answer and so <sighs> it's it's something I don't like to uh think about a lot because again it's not that's not who I do do this for but at the same time like I said it's about expanding the narrative right and when I say like fuck you to those people what I'm really saying is like I refuse to accept your narrow narrative it's not I don't care about those people I don't remember the names I but I do refuse to accept their narrow narrative and I refuse to accept any narrow narrative sometimes and oftentimes I have to play within certain rules to get from yeah. point a to point b you know what I mean like I'm not going to always um, shout exactly what I think at the top of the rooftops. It's not always relevant or necessary. At the same time, I'm not going to compromise uh, what I want and what I believe in and what I know is right. And and I'm, and ultimately, for me, really, that just means like continuing to show up in these spaces, right? Continuing to post metal videos, even when it pisses off the bros, you know, continuing to um, push to be part of campaigns like Fender and putting myself out there to work on these big projects to um to advance things and another big thing that I do that you know you both do as a matter of your work is putting other people on um I think that was also yeah. a cool thing about the moment with Sarah is that they got uh, a good amount of little little shine in that moment and so trying mm -hmm. to get other people mm -hmm. attention and opportunities and um plugging in as many people as I can to expand that is really important. And um, something I did that I've been working on all year, actually just hit the one year anniversary of this project is I, I started a online school for beginner bass players and there's about like 200 students right now. And wow. it's pretty low wow. cost, like 35 bucks a month for a couple months and you get it for the rest of your life. Um, and I uh, am really loving how those people in that, in that uh, school are not, you know, not, 
they don't resemble <laughs> they don't resemble the crowds in Europe to say the least and it's it's cool for me to be in this position where I can expand the narrative from a variety of places from um, being part of campaigns to speaking to different media to social media to live and it's a really good time to be a creative especially a musician you know what's interesting about expanding the narrative sorry to it's just made me think of this I talked about this on the podcast before but it's really interesting how there's this idea that like you have to look a certain way to be punk or emo and like I did a piece for Refinery29 all about this um called mm -hmm. Too Brown to be Emo and the point I was making is when you look at like all of the kind of characteristics and beauty standards to be like punk or emo or goth a lot of it is just entrenched in like white Eurocentric beauty standards like having Caucasian hair that's like flippy and straight whitening your mm -hmm. skin so you can be like a real goth having that skinny frame like all of it when you really whittle it down is just uh what kind of proximity you have to whiteness and i think what's so great is people like yourself and like meet me at the altar and pink shift and like even this podcast like we have changed that narrative just by mm -hmm. existing in this space and our existence in itself is helping to change that narrative just by being here and being like hey this is who i am and i like this music too changes what people think punk and emo looks like which is like insane it's true it's important and do you know what's going to add to what you said as well Yasmin because you're true you're right it it is about um we're representing and that's why I think it's important and because I put a post up the other day um we got a billboard in Leicester Square for the podcast whoop, 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 whoop. Yes. um and I put up a post about because yes I was bullied when I was younger but then it didn't stop there. It continued into the workplace mm -hmm. and it continued. But because I reached a level of success in my career, I was supposed to look positive. And my my mm. partner said to me, why do you still talk about that? That's gone now. You're now one of the most respected people in the scene. Mm -hmm. And I said, the reason I talk about it is because it hasn't stopped. And so mm. I have to show people Right. We're in the situation I was in who are just starting out and they're going through that. I have to show them that there are other people who've experienced this as well. And so that's why and I think that's why it's important. We hear from Amy Lee being told that she wasn't allowed to sing. We hear from um Hayley Williams and mm -hmm. everything she went through. And and yourself and everybody in this scene, as this scene, we're making space. It, now Megan the Stallion's joined in. Oh my mm -hmm. god. All those haters are fucked. I fucking love totally. that collaboration. Don't. Yes. And I want more of it, you know, with and let's with with like some some women of color artists. Like I would love, like, listen, Beaver's not, we don't have too many dates next year. Like a lot, like her on the road with like a all black woman or all women of color, like metal man. I feel like she it would could happen. I feel like actually let's manifest that right now. Like let's, let's this yeah. is it and she'll hear this and then she's gonna do it. And we can either go or we'll be in it and we'll be part of it or you know, I will be there on the triangle. Like I might be there. We'll be there. We will listen. <laughs> I'll learn to dance. Like whatever, whatever you need. <laughs> when um, I came down, yeah, sure, got it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, it's it's great, and I, I I love I love that she is like she did something so firmly in the genre with a collaboration. I think that's so cool because it's frustrating, right? How a lot of artists. Um, are really dismissed as not being rock because they don't look like that, even if their music sounds uh, rock. And that's something that I think is uh, 
it's an interesting area. It's an interesting area to play in. I'm, I've been working on writing more of my own music right now. And one of the things that I ask myself is like, do I want to, or do I need to add in this element to show that I'm punk? I think about that with putting on my outfits too. Like, I don't like to wear eye makeup because um, it gets in my eyes, but it's like, you kind of have to wear black eye makeup. It, I feel like you have to wear black eye makeup if you're a uh, person of color to like seem punk I don't know like I feel like it's it's part of like the uniform but I don't I don't do it but I feel like then I don't I'm not following the rules you know I feel like I'm breaking the rules by not doing it or like I have to do it and um yeah these unwritten rules it's amazing it's it's amazing thinking about even the ones that I don't subscribe to how they can be really oppressive and and as you said Sophie it doesn't stop it, it continues and um and yeah, and I have to keep evaluating for myself. Like, am I, um, what am I doing? Like, am I trying, am I trying to appease somebody else? Am I making something that I want to make? Am I trying to send a message? None of that is necessarily bad, but it's important that I know. And I think right now I'm in a place where I'm really going for authentic self-expression for myself. Um, and I'm really approaching this from a place of learning because as I said, I, I've played music my whole life and I've always been in like indie scenes and local scenes, but the broader international industry um, for music and rock specifically is something I'm really new to. So as much as I am bringing in my own experience and I can talk about my you know experiences in the rock scene in Austin growing up and all of that, um, I also am really here to learn and to, um, appreciate the great history and the uh, future of this space and all of the amazing work that is happening and all the incredible allies um, that are working within their bands, within the scene, within the space. I got to partner with Basis Against Racist. Um, that was one of the cool introductions I got in this space. I was like, how have I not heard of this organization? That's one of the siloing that's wild. Cause I'm like, I would have been on this shit like way before <laughs> anything. Like. Space, like that's my whole jam even though it was rock specific even before I was in the space it's like my jam like let's go um and they're doing amazing work and they partner with artists of all different types of um bass players with all different types of backgrounds and identities to collaborate on shirts and then sell their shirts and donate the proceeds to um international and united states based um anti-racist anti-sexist anti-homophobic projects and like they're amazing and there's so much so there's so much work and I'm really trying to get embedded in it and learn so you know I, I can speak a lot to my experience I can speak a lot to the importance of inclusivity I can speak a lot to kind of a social justice activism perspective because I bring that in and that's of course something else that brought me to fever is um, their connection to the Black Panthers and their appreciation of the uh, history of African-American activism because that's something mm -hmm. that really grounds mm -hmm. me and I'm really honored to be living and working the legacy of um uh, and so, so I, so that part I understand, but, but the rock space more specifically, I really don't, I don't have the years that you have Sophie. So I'm also loving learning and, uh, Jason, as well as Brandon, the guitarist and Thomas, our drummer, as well as everyone on our team have just been such gracious teachers, um, around everything from how to move in the space, you know, how to show up, how to be with your badges and what, what you can lose, what you can't lose, um, what happens when the big headliner comes and then you can't get by, but if you talk to the right guy, you can't get by, you know what I mean? All, all the different, you know, all the different little, little tricks to like get around and get, get done what you need to get done. Uh, and so I think that's really important too. When we think about 
we think about allies, it's not just folks, you know, reposting or protesting. It's also people um, making a, an effort to for out for outsiders or for new people in the scene like me to um, make us feel welcomed and safe and give us all the tools or help give us the tools that we need to like be able to show up as our full selves. And I think that is on um, elders in the scene. And I'm so grateful for all the folks in Fever and you know, other some of the other bands I mentioned that have um, really embraced uh, me. It's cool. Yeah, there are. Yeah, of course, there's corners and pockets of ickiness. And yes, it's some of the like yeah. most overt ickiness that I've, I've experienced. But man, the like greatness is is strong. And that, and, and that really motivates me. Um, that's I, I tell Jason all the time, like this is a special project, like very rarely do, you know, for black people with subversive mindsets, given this platform and this budget these resources so like we gotta do we gotta do like we can't play you know and again that's that's why I I take every podcast I can like this that's why I uh, was stoked to partner with Fender for the Ventera 2 launch and why like I keep rocking my Fenders on stage is because like I want to share the good that's out there you know and I want to shine a light on um everybody who is giving folks tools, whether those are instruments, also something that's just totally not why I'm here, but I'll also speak to, which I think is cool. And one of the things I love about Fender is the Fender Play Foundation, which puts instruments mm. in, and gives lessons and learning materials to um, kids in the LA school district or LA area who wouldn't otherwise get them. And I think it's programs like those, you know, that are really important. And I've been having conversations with Jason about doing some more of that work in Fever. And I know they've done charity work in the past, but really integrating within the community and really, you know, operating at at, the, at a variety of levels, because again, how often it's special. I won't even say, I won't even treat it like scarcity. It's special, you know, it's special and it's a treat. And, you know, I only have one life and I'm, shocked i mean i'm it's um, again like like all the all the 12 year old all the 12 year old boys who i don't know i i couldn't go to the blink 182 concert and they all went and i felt like i wasn't rock enough because i couldn't afford to go like they'd be they'd be like doing backflips right now that i'm talking to y'all and they are they and they're you know they're they see me they see it water under the bridge yeah they see it they you know but it. but uh but it's important to like shine a light on all of it and to like really appreciate that because there's so much to love there and I want to keep I want to keep that momentum going both in the scene and the band and in whatever way that I can as an individual it's April I've got to say a massive thank you because normally we don't we try not to talk to female artists about being female or black artists about being black because we try to avoid that because that's what you and people end up having to deal with every single other interview so we try and find out more but it's so hard not to go there often when it's something we identify with so much. And so thank you so much for A, sharing your experiences. Thank you to Fender, who you've mentioned that you've you've worked with because during lockdown, they were one of the only brands I agreed to work with because they were one of the only brands within rock that had other black faces. I was like, I'm yeah. not here to be your token. You're not just jumping on the only black person you know because you haven't done it for, but Fender already had that wealth of representation. Exactly. Mm -hmm. um, and also, I have to say this quickly, because you mentioned Jimi Hendrix earlier. Let's not forget the Monkees interview that just happened. And they said they had to take Jimi Hendrix off the tour because Hendrix was booed so badly by the crowds. And so it's like, wow, this thing. That's wild. I just, I just learned that. Wow. And it's like, yeah. 
the, the fact was is Hendrix was one of the only ones, Phil Lennart, whoever it might be throughout the years, these people had to be the only one, but it's 2023 and there are loads of us. In fact, there are three of us sat here with melanin and this is rare. So this is um, a fabulous space to be in. And I appreciate everyone who listens to this podcast because you accept that. And to everyone who doesn't, tough, because we're here now and it's our music too. Period. Period. For April, thank you so much for chatting to us here. Thank you both so much, Sophia, and thank you to your amazing listeners and community for welcoming me in. It feels so good to be here. Please say hi at all the shows. I will try to throw you a pic, although my throwing arm is not on great. You were listening to On Wednesdays, We Wear Black. Please rate and subscribe so that we can keep doing what we do. Special thanks goes out to the Nova Twins for the badass music and Wargasm for the killer screams. See you next week.